Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we, we love you. And Father, we just ask your will and your way upon this message today. Father, speak to us. And may we hear and receive what you say. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to spend our time today in Galatians chapter 5. And the title of our message is Freedom. And I was half tempted to scream the message, but I didn't want to scare you, because William Wallace in Braveheart yells, Freedom! And, but I wasn't, you know. Anyway, <laughs> Freedom is the title of our message today, and that's Galatians chapter 5. Galatians was written by Paul in response to a theological error that was finding a footing in the churches in Galatia. And this error was the idea that one needed to convert to Judaism or at the very least obey certain aspects of the Judaic law in order to be a legitimate Christian. And so Paul addresses this error in Galatians, and we're going to look at Galatians 5, and he's, he's working through that error in Galatians 5. And this is the error that he is confronting, and this is what we're going to be talking about today. That error is Jesus and. Jesus and law. Jesus and circumcision. Now, this was a persistent error that we see Paul confronting throughout his ministry. It's an error that we see Peter struggle with and cave into. And it's an error that Paul publicly corrects Peter for giving into. Jesus and. Beloved, in some ways, this is an error that persists today. Maybe not with Judaic law, but there still persists in those who call themselves Christians this notion that you can't really be a follower of Jesus Christ unless you also are this other thing. Or do this other thing in addition to trusting Christ. And make no mistake, Paul would have no greater tolerance for our additions to the gospel than he had to the Galatians additions. Now let's keep in mind that the Jews that believed and spread this false teaching had the best intentions. To them, it was an issue of holiness. To them, it was an issue of identity. To them, it was an issue of obedience. And we struggle with the temptation to think the same way today. We think that if someone doesn't do or think what I do or think, then they must be at odds Not simply with me, they must be at odds with God. But the mind of God is not the mind of man. And Paul teaches these Christians in Galatia and us that looking to the law as a requirement for justification, looking to the law as a requirement to be a Christian, is in fact slavery. It is returning to the very thing from which Christ saved you a futile reliance on your own work. We will see Paul say exactly that in just a moment. Beloved, I want us to consider this very carefully. Listen to this. If Paul, inspired by God, taught by Jesus, took issue with the Judaizers when they added requirements to the gospel, requirements that had their root in the Torah... Would Paul have any less of an issue with us when we add worldly issues, opinions, and concerns? 
to our idea of what is necessary for Christianity. So this is what Paul is addressing in our passage. Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 1, and we're going to work our way through, so open up your Bibles and keep them open to Galatians chapter 5. We'll work through it verse by verse. Verse 1, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Notice that. A yoke of slavery. Christ has set them free. But these Galatians take upon themselves bondage. Verse 2. I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage for you. Paul is saying blatantly here that if... If you accept the false idea that you need to do something in addition to trusting Christ in order to really be right with God, then Christ will be of no value to you. And he clarifies that in verse 3 and 4. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law have fallen away from grace. Paul seems to be saying here that if you rely on works, any works, any measure of pseudo-righteousness apart from Christ, then you'll be judged by works. Paul appears to be teaching the Galatians that if you measure yourself and the faith of others by something in addition to Christ, you are then subject to judgment apart from Christ. Man, that's a heavy message. You'll be judged by the very means you use to measure yourself and others. Beloved, if we think we are right with God because we do something or think something, and others are not right with God because they don't think like us, we are flirting with the heresy of the Galatians. And I want to tell you, we're seeing that everywhere today. If we think that a true Christian must be this or that thing, in addition to trusting in Christ alone, we are guilty of what Paul is speaking against. And Paul says we are then obligated to keep the whole law. Lord, save us from that. Now, in case you're wondering, Paul is not justifying sinfulness. And he makes that very clear later on in this same chapter. And we'll get to that in a moment. Verse 5. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision count for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Remember that this idea of circumcision, in addition to faith, was brought about by people who thought they were teaching obedience. But in reality... They were teaching disobedience to the truth. This persuasion is not from him who calls you. That's verse 8. This persuasion is not from him who calls you. Paul says, this isn't from Jesus. Beloved, we have to be cautious today that what we say, what we do, what we preach, what we teach, what we talk about is from the one who called us. It must not come from us. It must not come from the world. It must not come from your newsfeed. It must come from Jesus. 
or it needs to be rejected. Verse 9. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Beware the yeast of the false teaching, Paul is saying. Get rid of it. Don't let this error of the gospel plus anything stick around in your fellowship. It will corrupt the lot of you. That's what yeast does. It works its way through the whole loaf. Verse 10, I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. Verse 11, but if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. Paul is making it clear he does not preach circumcision, as these false teachers do. He He does not preach the false idea that the Galatians are believing. He is suffering. But he is suffering for the true gospel. Paul is suffering because the cross is offensive. If we are not suffering for the gospel, if you are not suffering for the gospel, most likely the gospel that we are presenting is not the gospel. Let me say that again. If you're not suffering for the gospel, then most likely the gospel that you're presenting is not the gospel. I'll let you chew on that for a little while. Verse 12, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. That's a really awkward verse. (laughs) And Paul just throws it in in the middle of his his talking here. And it's not really a verse that most pastors want to (laughs) preach or read to their congregation. But we see here that Paul's human and Paul is angry. But remember, he's not angry about some fleshly, worldly, political, earthly idea that he is striving to support. He is furious that people are claiming that their worldly requirement is necessary to be identified with Christ. Why does this upset Paul so much? Verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Paul says you were called to freedom. That is Paul's longing for his people. Freedom. Not slavery to flesh. Flesh manifest in sinfulness and licentiousness. And flesh manifest in legalism or allegiance. To Paul, it's all the same. And freedom from the flesh will be manifest in love. Verse 16 through 26. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do but if you are led by the spirit you are not under the law now the works of the flesh are evident sexual morality impurity sensuality idolatry sorcery enmity strife jealousy 
fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. We see here the vast difference between freedom and captivity. Freedom is manifest in love that produces righteousness. Love that springs from the spirit that lives in the born-again believer. Notice the difference seen in these verses between the flesh and the spirit. Notice the contrast. On the side of freedom, on the side of the spirit, on the side of faith, in Christ alone, we have joy, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. These are the evidences of the Spirit in the Christian. These are His fruit that will manifest in all those truly in Christ. If you are in Christ, these will be growing in you. These will be coming out from you. And if they are not coming out from you, you need to ask some serious questions about your relationship with God. An apple is how you see that an apple tree is an apple tree if the apple tree never produces apples we need there's this fear in the church today of examining ourselves there's this fear of questioning our relationship with god we don't want to do it we don't like people telling us to do it beloved we need to do it On the side of slavery, on the side of the flesh, we see things like all sorts of sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, sorcery, drunkenness. And now all those things are abhorrent to almost everyone who calls themselves Christian. But we do see them in the body of Christ, when we do see them in the body of Christ, is because people have removed something or added something to the gospel. They have twisted scripture to allow and give license to their immorality. But let's not overlook the things that Paul also lumps into this list. All those obvious things like sexual things and he says orgies and horrible stuff. But he also adds this. Idolatry, which is putting anything on equal level or higher than God. Enmity, being enemies with someone. Strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. Beloved, we all know that these things are far too common in the church today. In the body of Christ, in our nation, in our world today, these are far too common. These are what living by the flesh produces. This is what adding to the gospel produces. 
We see them manifest in our expressed or private thoughts. Oh, did you know that so-and-so thinks this way? Did you hear that, that they drink? They smoke? Did you hear that they watch Fox News? What, what about that person? They believe CNN. What's wrong with them? Those people, those people, they don't think right, dress right, talk right. Beloved, we can be sure that those thoughts do not come from the Spirit of God. Human changes to the gospel make the gospel not the gospel. Human additions to the gospel make it just another type of law that will never save, will never free, will never justify. And equating anything or uniting any worldly thing with Christ, no matter how good we think that thing or cause is, no matter how long we have, no matter how long, how many years we have aligned ourselves with those things, no matter how much those additions have been part of our thinking, part of our culture, part of our tradition, all of that, everything we add to the gospel, every other means by which we measure ourselves or identify ourselves, everything we add to Christ is slavery. Everything. Even family. If you add it to Jesus, it is slavery. It is chain. There are links of allegiance to the causes and the sides of the world. Links of bondage to the world. Links of unholiness. And unholiness is not simply unrighteousness. The opposite of holiness is being like the world. Regardless of how right you think your side of the world is, if you are like them, if you belong to the world, if you find your identity in anything other than Jesus, you are in chains. And Paul is making it clear whether those chains are the chains of debauchery or division, they are still chains. Chains of all kinds of immorality or chains of law, both are still chains in the eyes of and the mind of God. Beloved, it is not God's will for you to be chained any longer. John chapter 8, verse 31 through 36, Jesus says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you will truly be my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, We are offspring of Abraham, and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Beloved, God desires us to be free. Christ alone gives freedom. 
Christ alone reconciles us to God. Christ alone is our propitiation and satisfaction of God. He is our only living hope. Did you hear the words of that song today? I was moved to tears by it. It's talking about how he breaks every chain. I didn't call those guys up and have them to play that song. We had That was God getting our attention to what he wants us to hear today. Jesus is our only living hope. He does not desire that we continue to be bound by worldly concerns and issues. Christ bore the cross. He conquered sin and death. He set us free. The price of our freedom has already been paid. And yet we continue to carry these chains. Chains of sins that we can't seem to shake. Chains of ungodly attitude or lack of love. Chains we defend and we excuse and we explain away because we've grown accustomed to them and find comfort in them and find identity in them. Chains we hold on to in the name of allegiance or tradition. It's no wonder that so much of the Western church today is so inwardly focused. We want to be around those who think like us who bear the same chains. But beloved, how can we live in freedom with chains still upon us? How can we fulfill our calling to preach the gospel of freedom in Christ to the world? How can we make disciples? How do our attempts to share the gospel even look like? What do they even look like with these chains? And they're so heavy. Do we even make the effort? Could you imagine me trying to, to give you guys a hug with these? Or to pick up a child? Or to share compassion or love with anyone? How much more difficult it would be? And I run the risk of wounding them with the chains that I'm carrying. These chains are crippling us. They're crippling the church, beloved. They're keeping us from living abundant life, and they're keeping us from sharing abundant life. How can we love like this? How can we live like this? Bound up and weighed down. We are called to run the race. There's no running a race like this. There's no joyous freedom in Christ. No victory when all that's on our mind is this link or that link or this link or that link. And yet this false gospel is being presented to the world whenever the church communicates Jesus plus anything. This is the false gospel we communicate when we speak. Now listen to this. This is the false gospel we communicate when we speak the true gospel, but live enslaved to our additions to it. And beloved, I'm afraid that this is precisely what the church looks like when we are focused on and living for the issues of the world. Have you ever seen a movie where a prisoner escapes, like in a chain gang or something? What's the first thing they try to do? Get rid of the chain. Because they know they aren't free as long as they're chained. 
When Jesus sets us free, he sets us free from our chains. And Paul is urging the church, don't pick the chains back up. Jesus is all you need. Lay your burden at the foot of the cross. Lay your chains down where they were defeated. Beloved, Paul's concern for the Galatians is that they be free to be who God has made them to be. Paul would have the same concern for us. And this is my concern for the church as well. Paul would call us to cast down our chains, cast down our idols, not worry and not focus on earthly issues. Not freedom, not citizenship, not safety, not anything that the world throws us. Not finances. Nothing. No other concern but that for which we were made, knowing Christ and making him known. Everything else, beloved, and when I say everything else, I mean everything else. Everything else but knowing Christ and making him known is this. Yet you may ask, but Pastor Brian, aren't you concerned for the way our country is heading? Of course. But beloved, I am far more concerned with where the individual without Christ is heading. Well, Pastor Brian, aren't you concerned with religious freedom? Certainly. But I am more concerned with actually sharing the gospel than whether or not sharing the gospel remains legal. That's a huge thing, isn't it? We're all up in arms about religious freedom, but we're not sharing Jesus. Explain that to me, somebody. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little scary now. Sorry about that. The true followers of Christ will follow his example. They will follow him regardless of the circumstance or culture they find themselves in. They will love their enemies sacrificially, and willingly go to their deaths for the cause of the gospel. Beloved, if the gospel becomes illegal, then a prison will be my pulpit. And in that prison, I will not be preaching about my opinion on politics, or conspiracy, or any worldly issue, or any chain. In that prison, I will preach freedom in Christ. And in that prison, I will be free. But how indeed will I ever be free in this life if I continue to carry chains of my own making? Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So beloved, what is imprisoning you today? Does your life display the evidence of freedom or of chains? Do we love our enemies with our words, with our actions, with our lives? One thought about enemies. Do we ever ask why my enemies are my enemies? Is it because of Christ? Is it because of the offense of the cross? Or because of some other stance I have made or opinion I have repeatedly voiced. And if I want to say to you, beloved, if these people that I call my enemies are not my enemies for the offense of the cross, then they are enemies because of my chains.
Do we speak Christ unto the people around us? Telling them of his love and grace and hope and true freedom. Do love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control emanate us, emanate from us as a result of the Spirit within us? Or do we continually live under the chains of slavery? Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. This is my heart's cry for the church, that we would experience and know and live in the freedom from everything that holds us back from the abundant life found in Christ alone. Freedom in Christ is found when Christ is your all and all. When you come to the point when you, have tr- when you truly recognize that you have nothing except Jesus, then freedom is found. May we cease to preach any other gospel. May we cease to preach the gospel of Jesus and. So church, when you speak with your life, and with your lips, and with your keyboards, and with your phones. When you speak, the word of God calls you to speak Jesus, and nothing else. Jesus plus nothing. Freedom comes at the cross. Freedom comes when we do this. cross where self and the trappings of self are left behind and freedom to know God and make him known are found beloved I urge you I encourage you no matter how attractive the chains you have around seem to you there is no chain that when you are left at, when left at the cross is better than Jesus. No burden that you carry that matches to the freedom that he offers when you release it. And if today the Spirit has spoken to you, I urge you, heed his voice. Christ died to set you free, to rid you of everything that keeps you from your Father and keeps you apart from your brethren. If the Spirit has spoken to you that you have chains that you need to release, I want to urge you, the altar is open for you. Come and release your chains. Come to the altar or come to him right where you are in your seat, whether in your pew or your chair or at home. Come and lay down your chains. Lay down everything that you have added to the gospel. Lay down you. And if today God is calling you to reconcile with a brother or sister in Christ that you have allowed your chains to divide you from, I want to urge you in the name of the Lord to do it. Reconcile with them. If they're here today, don't leave until you talk to them. And ask forgiveness and lay your chains down together. Stay and pray with them. Humbly make it right before you leave. Finally, if today God is calling you to be set free, maybe for the first time, 
whether you're here or you're watching online, if you've never come to Jesus and you've never been set free, today is the day of salvation. Christ died to set you free, to give you life and life abundant. And we'd love to hear from you and pray with you about that. Lastly, if, to, if you feel called to stay and pray with those who stay, I want to encourage you to do that. Join your brothers and sisters in Christ. If they would like you to pray with them, do so. Let's bring one another to the Lord. Let's bear one another's burdens. Sometimes we need the help of our brother and sister in Christ to take those chains off us. I want to urge you to do that today. You know, it's, it's a tragedy to me that so often we hear from the word of God and we hear from the voice of God, we hear from the spirit of God, and then we just leave and walk away and do nothing. God's not done with you. God's not done with me. If he's speaking to, to, to you today, let him continue to work. And don't leave while the chains are still on. For those who leave the sanctuary or fellowship hall, I want to ask you to please do so reverently and quietly. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we confess to you that we've allowed things that are not from you to enslave us. We've allowed worldly concerns and worldly passions and worldly opinions and worldly convictions that are not from you to enchain us, to keep us from one another, and keep us from freedom. We thank you for the victory that has already been won for us. That you defeated sin and death itself to set us free. So that we might know you and make you known. You, you, Jesus, Make you know. Bring your church back to that place. Where that is all we are known for is Jesus. That we are just Jesus followers. And nothing else. Help us, Lord, to release our chains today. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.